Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Ben Standig. You can find my written work on NBCWashington.com, FanRag Sports. I talk tons of wizards and other things on Twitter at Ben Standig. And of course, always here on the Locked On Wizards podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you do your podcasting. Hope everybody had a great weekend. The Wizards helped kick it off in the right way. With a needed win at Detroit, uh, looked great at points. Second quarter, the bench got it going. Third quarter, the starters dominated and they held on late. Kelly Oubre with the big game. Otto Porter had a strong start. Uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal helped out the cause as well. Not going to get into that though here because I recorded an interview with our friend and former Wizards insider for what is now NBC Sports Washington, Jay Michael. We talked, he and I talked after the Charlotte game, so in between Charlotte and Detroit, and uh, I wanted to play part of that interview now. We went, we ran long. I originally put it up immediately over on my college, well, my, I say it's college basketball, but now I'm saying I put up a Wizards thing. It's called the Basketball in the DMV Podcast, which you can find on Patreon.com forward slash Ben Standick. I put it up over there initially, but now that I uh, opened it up to the public, I thought I would share it over here as well. So I'm going to play the first half here um, with, with you guys. Uh, look, I don't think the world has changed that much, even though the Wizards had a nice win. There's still a lot of questions of where this team is at. Obviously, they've had some other good wins this year, only to take a step back the following game or two. So, we get into a lot of different topics. Where, 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 where do we see things? What's wrong? What can they possibly do? I'll play for you guys. Part one now. I will put up part two this week as well. Of course, you can follow J. Michael on Twitter at this is J. Michael. So, Wizards and back in action on Monday against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, we'll plan on talking about that game. After the fact, obviously the Wizards already lost to Dallas once this year in a, one of their truly stunning losses. And normally we would say, hey, it's a great chance for revenge. But the Wizards haven't really been good at that revenge thing. They just had Utah at home having lost by 47 to Utah. They lost the game. Uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets, yes, they did beat them, but there wasn't, you know, the game ended up going to overtime after being down 23 to a team that beat them twice. Um you know, they've been, you know, even, even if you want to say Milwaukee, the last homestand, they started with a loss against Milwaukee, closed it with Milwaukee, and also couldn't figure, finish off the Bucks, uh, then either. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Dallas still not very good. Wizards, in theory, should get this W. We've said that before. So we'll see what happens on that front. But I've got some thoughts. Hopefully I'll get up on, on the web on NBCWashington.com and FanRag Sports as well in the next, I'll say, 24 hours or so. So if you check that out, you will hopefully find some work from me on there. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. My conversation with uh, Wizards thinker and former, former NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider, Jay Michael. All right, as promised, this is the Hide the Women and Children edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast because he, because the Wizards had one of those losses where – you throw, you, you can't even comprehend what the hell you're watching, except for the fact that you've now seen this team not show up many times over. When these things happen, you, you have to call in for the for the uh, 
for, for reinforcements. Who better than to give a, be, a, a smackdown, beatdown, whatever you want to say about the Washington Wizards, Mr. J. Michael. First time on the podcast. Well, no, you've been on the podcast. You were on it like in my infancy when I didn't know what the hell I was doing, which you'll say I still yes. don't. But you're, you're back on. Uh, before we get to the Wizards, everybody wants to know, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually consuming probably more basketball now than I ever have, uh, around the league. So I, I, you know, I haven't left it and, uh, have opportunities, a couple opportunities actually to get back into it full time. So not sure where exactly I'll go from there, but, um, you know, the, you know, basketball, it, indeed it does never stop. So regardless of what I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close to the game and will be involved, uh, from the ground up, uh, always so that's not going to change all right well, well that sounds all very good very healthy let's get to the uh sad and unhealthy the wizards i uh, for, for uh, presumably people if you're listening to this you're aware they lost tonight uh 133 to 109 and it wasn't really even that close charlotte started the game making their first 12 or 13 shots and the wizards just just uh, never really in it uh, they gave up 77 points the first half, the most ever in Charlotte history. But whatever, it almost doesn't even matter. This game was just symbolic of a lot of other things that have happened. Uh, you're constantly tweeting about them, and you said uh, you, you, you said you said this before. You said some version of this. Uh, you said this tonight. Uh, you, you made a tweet about how all these people or you know all these nasty things they may have said to you or said about the previous coaching regime, um, blame, putting the blame on them that Whitman may have had his faults, but this was bigger than just a coach or one player. So let's just go straight to the top. What, what, what's your take on this? What, what is the deal with this team? Why do we, why are they so frustrating? Just like I said last year, when they went through some tough stretches, you know, when they had these defensive inconsistencies that you see, uh, you change coaches, not just the head coach, you change the entire coaching staff. You brought in a bunch of new free agents and supporting cast, um, you have a lot of the same problems. And as a matter of fact, I, I would argue that going through right now is worse than what they had in their 41-41 season with Whitman. Um, because it, it, the, the expectation for this team is much higher, was much higher, I think, coming in. Absolutely. Uh, especially, yeah, especially given, you know, uh, Wall gets the, the big extension. Um, I, I love the addition of uh, Mike Scott. I thought he was a good addition. They got rid of some, you know, dead weight with contracts of a guy like Nicholson. Um, you know, Mahimi was supposed to be healthy for the entire season, which pretty much he has been. Otto got his big money. So, in the Eastern Conference, of course, in theory, was is weaker. I mean, I think they have probably more good teams this year than last year, but I think there's far more parity after you get past maybe the number one or number two team and everybody else. So you expected the Wizards to be able to gain a little bit more traction. And we should be easily talking about this is a 50, not only a 50-win team, but, you know, exactly how many games over 50 are they going to win this year. I think that would have been a legitimate conversation. Now if they could just get to 45, I think that would be considered a coup. Um, Defensively, they are so disconnected. There are times where certain guys don't know one guy is going to switch. Uh, it's like they forgot the scheme when they come into the game off the bench, not sure what they're doing. It's just up and down all, all, all with the team. And you can't now say, well, this is – I hear people say to me a lot now, well, this is Scott Brooks's problem. He's a bad coach. Well, you guys said the same thing about Randy Whitman. So are you going to keep blaming every single coach that comes through that it's all that person's fault? 
and the, the 14 or 15 guys on the roster, they have no uh, responsibility in what's happening. And, and, and more, more to the point, I think it's more the core guys. The, the, who are the guys who've been consistently here uh, been when these, these defensive issues have happened? Uh, Wall, Beal, Otto Porter, Martian Gortat. Correct? They have still been, have the same problem. Yeah, they've been the four guys here the, the longest. Whenever we've talked to John this year about you know one of these games where they lose to the team under 500, and we say, boy, can you explain what, what's wrong with you guys this year? He goes, oh, it's been this way either my whole career or like the last four or five years. And he says that, I'm always like, uh, you know, you're sort of calling yourself out, right? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, Jan Mahimi wasn't here four or five years ago. Uh, Thomas Adarino right. wasn't here four right. or five years ago. Exactly. So that, that, what that tells you is there's a mentality, there's a habit that they've gotten into that they've never broken. And, you know, Scott Brooks is earning every penny of his $35 million contract to, to right the ship. But I, I think it's kind of – I think it's even more a bigger issue right now than it was previously because when Brooks came in, the first thing he said to us, the first thing he said when we were in training camp in Richmond, hell, the first thing he said as introduction introductory press conference is he wanted to make this an elite defensive team. Oh, man, there ain't anything but that. Um, and they are so far off the mark, it's not even funny. And, you know, all the criticisms people can make about Scott Brooks' rotations, you know, some of which are legitimate, uh, some uh, of which I think people are grasping for straws and come up with answers. But I would dare to say he had a pretty good defensive team in Oklahoma City. Um, uh, James Harden probably played the best defense of his career under Scott Brooks in Oklahoma City. We haven't seen him play it since. So what's, what's different? The players he's coaching is different. The defensive problems with this team have gotten worse. Uh, or, or they're at least the same as what they were under Whitman. Can you can you guys still blame Randy Whitman for that? Remember when this team, when they were a twenty nine win team before they went on the playoff run, they started making playoffs two of the first three years at, under Whitman. When this was a top ten scoring defense, even though they only won twenty nine games, and that's that's why I really like Whitman. How many coaches do you see get a team that's a losing team that's not going anywhere to commit defensively? And Whitman was able to do that, and that's one part of his accomplishments in D.C., I've always said he's never gotten enough credit for. But ever since that 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 year and then maybe the year after, this was a good defensive team. The moment Ariza left, and I'm not saying it's because specifically Trevor Ariza, but I think he was a big part of why they were so good defensively, uh, they've just kind of gone off the rails and they've lost that identity. And I think they're more concerned about offense. And granted, Brooks has improved the offense significantly. But the defense hasn't come around, come around, and that's why you have a team that's right now middling around 500. The uh, like, if you look at like net rating or defensive rating, like on the season, I think this is including tonight. I'm looking at NBA.com. They are like 11th in defensive rating, so that's not bad. Yeah. But like, but we know watching a game in game out, like they they just have laughed. Is that over the last six games? Um, you know, like even for the up and down season, these last six games to me have been the, maybe the most worrisome. They're 26th right now in that span in, in defensive rating. Um, you know, we, 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 we just talked about the idea of this has been going on for a while. I've said for a long time, you know, I always, I always bring up those games against guys like Nick Stauskas and, and uh, Paul, no, Phil Pressey, you know, random point guards who would come in here and have really good games, and you're like, what is going on here? And then, of course, at some point you're like, well, you know, does John Wall look past some of these guys who are not 
the Kyries and the Westbrooks and things like that. And I've always thought that when John Wall's not engaged defensively, everything falls apart. When he's engaged defensively, yeah. it's it, things are a, a, a lot better. So if we're talking about these things going on for four or five years, you know, I mean, it, it, like you know, every time you criticize John Wall, it's like, look, again, he's the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the league. But like, and if he if if you could just get him to be more consistent on that end of the court. I feel like some of these problems would go away. And to me, that's just a constant. I'm not saying it's all him, but it's just a constant thing that's been going on for, for a while. What, what, what say you on just sort of that aspect? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. That, that Phil Presti game, you're talking about when he was with Boston. In, that's before Boston became the Boston we know right now. And he came in in a game that Boston had no business winning. And he had his career high against the Wizards in I think the game went to overtime, and he hit basically the game-clinching shot. Um, and John Wall had a triple-double that game. I'll never forget. And I remember Randy Whitman saying, this is the most empty triple-double I've ever seen <laughs> because he was referring to the defense that he did not see from his point guard. So you're absolutely right. When Wall is engaged offensively, you know, I think back to last season when uh, we were in Cleveland and there was a big matchup with Kyrie Irving when he was with Cleveland. And, you know, Cleveland had just beaten the Wizards right before the All-Star break. And it was like, oh, you know, that, that spectacular game at Verizon Center. John wanted to get it back. And, man, the defense that he played in that game and the offense, the, it wasn't just the offense. It was how smart he was in picking his spots, isolating Irving, and absolutely roasting it. He showed why in that game, when he's at his best, he is better than just about almost any point guard in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and he was also better than Kyrie Irving at his best. But you don't see that, John, often enough. Now, maybe partly, you know, I gave him a pass, and you know, maybe two seasons ago because I knew he was playing with knee difficulties. He had the bone spurs. He had issues with his ankles. I knew he was banged up. And I thought that had something to do with his defensive laps and that he couldn't do it on both ends consistently. And – but – I think now that excuse has, has to go away because didn't they give him rest for a few weeks earlier this year to, to recharge his battery, to get him back right so he could get back? And there's been times that I think he's played well defensively uh, lately. But, yeah, you just don't see it. You don't see it every night. And with his size and his athleticism and his ability, as good as he's been, he can actually be better. And it has nothing to do with him developing a three-point shot. If he plays defense the way you see a guy like Chris Paul play on most nights, um, I, I think it takes John Wall automatically to another level, even if he never develops a three-point shot. Um, I, I had somebody the other night uh, at one of these Wizards games say to me that, you know, this is the type of team that needs probably a good scolding, right? And like even Ted Leonsis the other day told Dan Steinberg that these guys, after, I think it was after the Utah loss, that these guys are playing like too cool for school. And that, so the other night somebody's like, yeah, they probably need a good scolding, but Scott Brooks maybe he doesn't have that in his bag. You know, he's such a nice guy. You never know quite to what level he'll get to behind the scenes, but, you know, it doesn't seem like he's that guy. Whitman, I could imagine going crazy uh, always um but uh right. but, but but not but not with brooks so whether it's brooks or not like i i've always said like people always want to criticize grunfeld for everything and I, a lot of times yeah. i think it's misguided with some of the transaction stuff not all of it but some of it but in terms of like sort of the, the best player getting away with stuff we're not talking about gilbert arena stuff that's a whole other level of stuff 
but in right. terms of but but it's sort of this history with this franchise where the best player doesn't seem like they'll it doesn't it, it, I don't want to say they're untouchable but it feels like there's nobody who's going to tell them the straight up truth do you think that's the case right. with Wall and if that's so like, is there anybody you think that could say that or or do you maybe you don't think that I I, I don't think there's anybody who's gonna who's gonna go that route and I, well here's the thing. In order for Brooks, I think, to lay into Wall or his star guys that way, he's got to have the support of those above him. That goes with Ernie and it goes with Tim Leonsis and whatnot. Um, if, if, and I think probably more, more, more so it probably has to do with Ernie than Tim Leonsis when it comes to that. Um, you know, you, you've seen me tweet and talk about, you know, how uh, I've done this a couple times now, how, you know, over the years I've had people tell me, current players and former players with the Wizards, that they don't have enough fear about basically getting a boot put in their backside for the way they come out and play this way. Um, I mean, think about it. I mean, I go back a couple of years when Paul Pierce was still here, and we were in Dallas, and Dallas was an outgun team, and the Wizards were, you know, they had Paul Pierce. They had their mojo back, right? Um, they, they had replaced Trevor Reason. They went to Dallas, and I remember them trailing by 30 points to a team they had no business trailing to. And I remember some of the things some of the guys said to me then, um, on you know off record, of course. But some of the things I, I won't tell, I won't reveal who some of those people are. But it's way more than one, and it's definitely more than two or three. But over the years, I've kind of gathered this narrative from people. Some were veterans, some had been in other places, some had only been in D.C. Who said there is not enough fear that we're gonna not enough guys in there fear that they're going to lose their job as a result of this nonsense that we put on the court today. That's been a consistent theme of things that I've heard. Um, and it transcends, like I said, guys of different experience who've been different places and guys who've only been in DC. Um, but guys who say, who say when they were in college, they had more, you know, they had more fear about repercussions than what they would have um, with the wizards right now in the NBA, that there's this, Almost, almost this yearning that, yeah, we're making it uncomfortable, but it's actually a good thing to be on edge to know that you not only got to perform every night, you're not going to win every night, you're not going to play your best, you're not going to shoot your best, but you're going to give effort every night. And so I, I flip it to this. Look at a team like the Miami Heat. They have less talent than the Wizards all across the board, if you ask me. They have good players, but they have less talent. Look at what Eric Spolster and Pat Riley gets out of those guys, and you never see them mail it in, no matter how badly they play on any given night. And look at their record. Look at they were forty-one and forty-one last year, and had no business even being that good, considering all the injuries they had. And they beat the Wizards four times in four meetings. Um, but I think that's because of the the system that they're in with a coach with a front office that a lot of guys have a healthy fear of. And I think some of the players here just feel like they're missing that fear. And, you know, some people are going to say that's on Ernie. Some are going to say that's on Scott Brooks. Other people are going to put it on Ted Leontes. I, I don't know where you put the blame per se or where you say that that culture reset has to happen. Um, but there's a sense that it has to be that, that they're missing that. And that's why they don't have that edge and they feel like they're wasn't 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 it the comment that Scott Brooks used last year that they're too cool for school, 
it looks like Ted Leonsis has adopted that too by saying that they were playing too cool. And it seems like now that's a consistent theme, even from people who aren't players, that everything is just too easy and there's not enough of that healthy fear that, man, I might end up with my locker room, my locker empty if I put in another performance like that today. And they just don't have that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would, uh, I would agree. We're, we're talking with, uh, Mr. J. Michael. He's on Twitter at this is J. Michael. You already know this because if you're listening to this Wizards podcast, you are paying attention to his ranting and ravings on Twitter. Uh, and you're probably also watching because he likes to poke fun at me a lot. So, uh, <laughs> it's always a good time, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, okay, so we've, we've, we've just ranted and raved a bit about this, and was deservedly so. They came with a, a two and three homestand where they blew some games they easily should have won. They, they they get destroyed here in Charlotte. And, you know, look, I will say this. Charlotte had Steve Clifford coming back from, from he's been out with, with illness. So I'm sure there was a lot of emotion on their side from that. You know, those types of things can play a factor. And so maybe Charlotte wins regardless. But we, because we've seen what the Wizards have been up to, it's hard to give them a total pass from that perspective because we've seen them, uh, you know, not not uh, not show up or not play not play well on both ends of the court. Um, that said, they are twenty five and twenty. They started the day only a game and a half out of third. So you know, I always have to dial it back to if they could just get it going, they're still in a reasonable position. They're also not that far out of being in last play or being out of the playoffs, but. When you when, are, are you at, at we're now what forty five games into the season? We'll talk about both ends of this, but are you more? I'm not that worried about this ultimately because look where they're at and they still haven't figured out they probably will. Or are you like you know what man? I've seen enough. This is not going to end well. Uh, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I think since we're past the midway point of the season, if we were in say early December. Um, I think I probably would be more like, yeah, let's let's wait a minute. You know, especially if you go back to what happened last year when they weren't very good until they got to about that December 10th and then they took off and the season turned. You know, could they still have one of those type of runs in them? I mean, maybe. Um, the problem I have with that is is you can't you can't rely on that. And when you lose games to teams, you know, what was the loss to – I thought the, the loss to Utah was as ugly as it got when they lost, um, uh, was it about like 47 points, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, earlier this year. Um, you know, they lost to teams that, like Brooklyn, um, lost a close game to Brooklyn uh, back in December, got absolutely the doors blown off by Brooklyn um, also in December. And so, you know, I look at games like that and I say, you know, okay, they're tw- what, 25 and 20. I think we could easily say they should be – they could be 32 and 13 right now. And we are talking about how close can they get to 60 with, <laughs> right? So I'm less optimistic because I just don't think this is a sustainable strategy to either voluntarily or not turn it off and decide you're going to turn it up when you want to. Uh, I, I just don't think that is a good, a good recipe to to, to do that each and every season. And, you know, the only good thing I could say about the Wizards schedule so far is they've gotten a lot of those West Coast game, road games out of the way that in past seasons, remember we would say, yeah, they got a great record now, but they got all these huge West Coast trips coming up. 
Well, they've gotten a lot of that stuff out of the way early. That's the best thing I can say about where they stand right now, that maybe some of the most difficult stretches on the road are out of the way. But, you know, you still have this game upcoming Friday against Detroit. You got to go to Dallas where the Wizards play terribly, no matter how terrible Dallas is. They have uh, a – one reason why that it's when they're playing all these bad teams that they keep struggling with, they have played a lot of them. They have, I think it's a top, I think they're like bottom or they have like a top five most difficult strength of schedule the rest of the way. They still have a lot of games to go. And this, this game right. tonight was, they were starting a stretch of eight of 10 games on the road. So you know, right. tougher game. Right. But, but that's the thing. But that's the thing though. They, they, they played a lot of bad teams and they lost to a lot of bad teams, but the, it, it's just that, I, I can't make – you're trying to tell me to make logic of why they go through what they go through and why these games are so difficult. I can't make any sense of it because we go through this every year. They always hit a stretch where they do things that are, you, you can't explain. But I just don't think long-term that regardless of how this all shakes out, Ben, I don't think they're going to win 50 games this year. If they win 50, I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say, hey, I was wrong. But they're going to have to have an incredibly strong finish. If based on what I've seen so far, this if this is who you are, they won't win 50 games. And the fact that they won't win 50 games, I think, is is, is terrible, considering how could it get any easier for them to get a, a top – hell, a top four seed. They should be a top – they should be no worse than a three seed this year. Um, and the best case scenario for them is that the East becomes so mediocre that maybe they still finish up that high just by default. But I just don't think it's going to be a good strategy in terms of getting deep into the postseason. I, I think you could easily see a team that gets bumped out in the first round because I just don't believe in this turn it on, turn it off sort of thing. I think you are who your record says you are. But I also think when you're getting roasted by these bad defensive teams, um, you know, if people think it doesn't matter. And you and I have talked to several people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter. These teams are bad. They'll be okay when they play good teams. Well, you know, that was the difference in the Wizards having not having home court advantage against the Celtics last year. Did it matter? Yes. But what came to fruition in that, that, that series with the Celtics when the Wizards could not win on the road? Uh, bad defense. Uh, remember game seven? Kelly Olenek and all those threes? Bad defense. You see when those things come to the front when you're in the most high-pressure situation? I think it all matters because you develop habits, and that becomes who you are. So I'm not terribly optimistic that they're going to turn this around like they did last season. I think we're going to be doing a whole lot of back and forth. Sometimes they're going to be cold. Other times they're going to be hot. And when it's all said and done, I think you got about a 45, maybe 46-win team. Yeah, it's unfortunate when you and I agree too much. It's no fun that way. But, yes, I mean, I talk about yeah, that. I talk about the habits all the time. I mean, you mentioned the Celtics series. You know, they, they should have won game, at least game one, if not game two of that series. They had huge leads right off the bat. But, you know, they got into what, you know, obviously give Boston credit. But, yeah, they, they got into the habit of we, that we've seen this year as well. They get these leads and then they coast to some degree. And all of a sudden, instead of winning one of those early games and it flips the whole series, they, uh, they, they don't get it done. And, 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 yeah. and another reason why this is frustrating, like you said before, this is different year. This was the first year, honestly, maybe in my lifetime. Well, not my lifetime. Maybe since the, you know, they won the title. I don't know. Maybe, I guess, maybe one of those Gilbert years. I got to remember who was healthy when. But, like, they certainly in the John Wall era, this was the first time that they entered the season with legitimate expectations 
of not just not just making the playoffs, not just getting home court, but maybe even competing straight up with LeBron and taking down and and being and being the the, the Eastern Conference champion. Uh, and, and that's why it isn't enough for them to be the four or the five seed and, and, and all that. They, they had to put themselves in a better position. But here's the other part of it also. You know, this feels like it's sort of like their window, right? Because they don't have the, – the, they're, they're basically – they're capped out. They don't really have much maneuverability left. I mean, at the moment, they have their first-round pick. We'll see if they keep it. But, you know, you've got like teams like Philadelphia is coming up, Boston. You know, we know they've got tons of assets. They're going to make more moves. Cleveland, obviously, things could change if LeBron leaves. But, you know, they've got that pick from the Nets that, that, that could happen. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, you know, Giannis is only getting better by the minute. So it, it, it feels like, and not that the Wizards can't get better because they have a young team, but it kind of feels like this is their year to really make a move, and it's not happening. Um, so all that said, if you're if you're at a point where you're like, they're not going to win 50 games, and maybe they're going to be in the tough spot they were in a year ago, one, one narrative that people have is, all right, Blow it up. Make a move. This The, the chemistry is terrible. They're not going to get anywhere with this group. Go all in. Now, for some people, they throw out names like Boogie Cousins. Other people might say DeAndre Jordan or whatever it is. Are, are you in, like, on all in, reckless, go do something? Obviously, you have to try to make the best deal you can. But are you in a screw it? I'm tired. I've seen this show enough. Blow it all up. Go make a big move, whatever that is. I, I, I think you, you, you contemplate making a big move. But I think I, here's what I think they're doing based off of what I know from, from from people. They're waiting out to see what happens with LeBron and Cleveland. I know that that's probably sounds really terrible to a lot of people who are diehard Wizards fans. but Especially when they you waited know, the out Kevin Durant. <laughs> pretty much. Well, not, not wait out LeBron and Cleveland to see if you can get LeBron, yeah, yeah. but you wait out to see when he leaves and the whole, you know, Cleveland, the whole narrative changes in the Eastern Conference. There's going to be a lot of movement, and, and maybe that's your opportunity to try to pounce, to wait and see – uh, and see if you can pounce a bit. Um, I mean, you could do that, and you know, again, yeah, it could it could work out like the whole Kevin Durant thing, where you end up, you know, uh, getting absolutely nothing um, and, and still be stuck in the same position that you were to begin with. But I, I'm I'm a big fan at this point. Like now that we've seen this story over and over again, I'm a fan right now of making an aggressive move by the trade deadline, which means. You know, not adding a minor, you know, a role player or a minor player to the to the mix with making a strong, aggressive move. I'm okay with that. But, you know, the, where I disagree with most fans, they just want to go for name guys. You know, DeAndre Jordan, Boogie Cousins. I actually like DeAndre Jordan a light years more than I like Boogie Cousins uh, because nobody ever watches Boogie Cousins play defense. Nobody ever watches him hustle. Uh, nobody ever watch, tells me about, how uh, he makes teammates better. The reason why, because none of those things happen. And so while Boogie Cousins, you end up, instead of scoring 109 points tonight, you might score 129. But instead of giving up 133, Boogie tonight, you'd probably give it up 150. So how much better off are you? So I'm fine with making an aggressive move, but I think it's more, I, I think the chemistry, it's, it's, there's something about this that has to be changed and I, I would be in a position quite frankly of putting putting most of that roster I put most of them on the market and see what we get and I wouldn't give it one I wouldn't give a damn if it leaked that somebody like Gortat or Bradley Beal or John Wall was on the market if that story leaked 
maybe that, that maybe that alone would be enough to light a fire into some of these guys to get themselves in order and get the team in order. And it's not always been – it's not always necessarily about how well you're playing because you may be playing fine, but how are, are you getting all of these guys – who's the leader who's getting all of these guys in line to play better? Clearly that's not happening. So it, it's not only about you personally playing better, but you getting your teammates to buy into what you guys are doing because you have a responsibility. John and Brad, most, most of the high, two highest paid guys uh, on the team, uh, to get these guys in gear. And I think the responsibility is on them to, 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 to help make this work. But in the meantime, I would contemplate, if I'm Ernie Grunfeld, of putting everybody up for grabs and, and seeing what kind of offers I get. It doesn't mean that you want to trade them. But, hey, you never know. If you put certain guys on the market that teams didn't know was out there, was out there for the getting, you never know what you might get. And I just think it's worth exploring. Um, but I, I, I'm not – look, is, are the Wizards going to do something like that? Absolutely not. I don't believe for one second that would happen. But I'd actually consider it just because I want to, I want to mix it up and I want some of these guys, like I said earlier, to fear that they're going to be moved or they're going to be out of a job and that hopefully somehow that makes them play better. Because they need something. Yeah, I mean, for you know, obviously things can change, and you know, you never know. You you, you put enough of these kind of performances together, and maybe you know, from the top on down, somebody says, "Hey, you guys got to shake this up." But yeah, but my sense is they're waiting till the February 8th deadline, even if that means see who gets bought out, or, or maybe try to do something. I don't think they're going to want to trade the first round pick because um, they've now traded it, you know, three of the last four years. So I don't see a big a, a, ma- a massive deal coming. All right, there you go. Part one of my conversation with uh, our friend Jay Michael. I will get up the part two of that conversation this week, so um, make sure you keep tabs of what is going on. If you want, if you want to hear the whole thing now, I'll just tell you. If you go to the, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Ben Standing, episode nineteen. We've had twenty uh, already. Episode nineteen, the full interview is there with Jay Michael. If you want to go hear the rest of it, you can go check it out there, but I will put up part two here. If you do go there to check it out, also I've got a, a brand new interview with another guy you hear often on this podcast, Patrick Ruby, who just did a profile on Georgetown coach Patrick Ewing. We discussed that. That new episode is up, and if, to, to listen to that one right away, you need to join that podcast. Uh, you can subscribe there, so please check that out. Go to patreon.com forward slash Ben Standing. Lots of other good interviews there, especially if you're into the college basketball scene in the DMV. Alright, so let's end it there for now. Again, Wizards back at it against the Dallas Mavericks on Monday. We'll see if they can get some revenge, stay focused, get back to winning more than, you know, they won the other day, but you know what I mean. Get back to doing it with some style consistently and so on. So, for now, we'll sign off Ben Standing saying, until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive, long shot. Dagger!